Hi there, I'm Cameron. And I'm Danny. And welcome to Mages and Murder Dads, the only show that's dedicated to the Baldur's Gate series. We still have not checked to see if that is true. Never will. We're never going to check. Trust us when we say we don't know if we're the only one, but if we aren't the only one, we're definitely the best. You should trust us. We've been doing this uh, quite a while. Eight and a half months now. Eight and a half months. Uh, But you know what, Danny? How was your fortnight? Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, this has been a, a just fine one. This has been a just fine one. A lot of anticipation. This is an unusual episode because I think we've only done maybe two or three episodes in the morning, but we, we're just so excited to record this episode that we had to, we had to crack, crack open Audacity and Skype before, uh, before noon. That's a, a literal hellscape. <laughs> I don't know why we've done this. Uh, if you haven't, uh, listened to the show before... There's all kinds of stuff you can do to help us out here at the top. You can follow us both on Twitter. You can find that in the description. You can like us on Facebook to get all kinds of Baldur's Gate-oriented content. You can like and subscribe here on YouTube, and you can hit that weird little bell button that uh, everyone's so mad about uh, to make sure that you see every episode. It comes out bi-weekly. Uh, straight shout-out to the uh, the subreddit where people talk about this uh, occasionally. And uh, the commenters here on the YouTube page, still a very, very high quality of comments totally like just good stuff we're talking about Baldur's Gate all the time actually we have a huge number um from the past couple weeks where people have been listening to the show uh since our last episode where we interviewed Philip Daigle Phil Daigle from Beamdog the developers of Baldur's Gate Enhanced Editions fantastic interview yeah it's a great interview go back I'll put a link in here uh actually and so, yeah, so we've had, like, a big spur of new uh, viewer listeners, and uh, I gotta actually need to go back and respond to a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. And I, I anticipate a lot more viewers, uh, viewer listeners starting now, because this is episode 20, and this is the beginning of season three, because we're moving on to a different game. We're now in Baldur's Gate 2, Shadows Whoa. of Om. I know. That's a big, big game. It's a big game, and actually, I'll be honest, I think the reason we started mm-hmm. this show is because we wanted to play Baldur's Gate 2. Yeah, so this has just been eight and a half months of foreplay. Yep. But what but great foreplay. Um, we've got a new theme song. Every season, quote-unquote season, every new game has a new theme song. This one is by John Fio, a.k.a. Audio Sprite. You can see his stuff in the description. You'll hear this song several times. It will get shorter as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. You've got it down to a science. Yeah, I've, I've really got that that editing uh, down to a science. Um, so um, yeah, Councilman, I got a question. No. <laughs> what is Mages and Murder Dads? Mages and Murder Dads is a show that's not really a let's play. It's two independent playthroughs. You play uh, the game on your ter- terms, and I mm-hmm. play the game on my terms, and then we meet in the middle to discuss how you're wrong. Oh. That's that? actually historically not true, but yeah, sure. That, that is uh, uh, that's a little bit of um, <laughs> statecraft thinking on my part, uh, covering up the grand sin of state formation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 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 But that's so, our different podcast, uh, political science history. But we uh, that's every every other Tuesday, right? Yeah, that's every okay. other Tuesday. 
Um, but yes, yeah, so we we're we're playing through these series with different uh, characters, and we're going to be starting uh, Baldur's Gate two with characters we we started eight and a half months ago in Baldur's Gate, and we played through all of Baldur's Gate, and we played through all of Siege of Dragonspear. And if you want, you can you can go back and see how these characters came to be and how they how they got to where they are. But you know, if you want to start here, you know, a lot of folks start at Baldur's Gate too. And but but I, I do feel it's necessary for us to introduce the nature of these characters that we have. Mm-hmm. So so Danny, you play a character named Balthazar. Yeah. What's Balthazar all about? So Balthazar is a half orc barbarian. He uh, and a lot of people ask, wait, well, hold on, barbarian or berserker? No, just pure barbarian. And he wields a big sword and he gets angry sometimes. And I think that Balthazar's like main emotional kind of aspect would be frustration. And sometimes that frustration turns to anger. And uh, I think you put it best charitably. He's, he's kind of a, a murder man. Yeah, that's kind of his. That's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. And I guess we'll talk about this uh, as the episode goes on. But there's a lot of opportunities to be annoyed in Baldur's Gate too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For that's you, for true. you to take the player position of, I'm annoyed at being here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and another like kind of twist about Balthazar. Balthazar does not lie. He doesn't feel the need to. Mm-hmm. But he he lied one time and he was cursed by a wizard. Did this that is, happen? No, this is for the Mages of Murder Dads expanded universe. Oh, I got uh, that, that I'm currently pitching to Wizards of the Coast. I got you. So before Baldur's Gate one, this happened while he was still in Candlekeep, and that's the reason he doesn't lie now. Is he like checked a book out and didn't return it, and then lied to the librarian, mm-hmm. and then he was cursed with a short temper from then on. Yeah. Okay, that's a, I can that's roll in our that. uh, that's in our lore podcast. It's called uh, Prepare to Gate. And uh, it's uh, pretty serious. You can check that out every every other Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so I play a character named Ticklevar, who is a sorcerer. I think he's a human. I believe mm-hmm. he's a human. Human sorcerer. He doesn't who, see race. If Balthazar is short-tempered and never lies, then Ticklevar believes in, like, pure, like, application of state-based justice. Mm-hmm. Ticklevar believes that, like, the world can be made better through democracy, through being nice to one another, and through uh, just good old-fashioned hard work and know-how. Mm. Just a straight-up statist that believes that kind of the world uh, the world glides along on the lies necessary to, to, to keep that state running. Mm-hmm. And also, he dies thousands and thousands of times. <laughs> he has probably died 200 times over the course of, of these eight and a half months. Mm-hmm. It's like a rough time to be him. Mm-hmm. But you know what? <laughs> the uh, Baldur's Gate 2 might be, might be kind of, he might be growing out of that awkward phase in Baldur's Gate 2. We'll have to see. That's the characters. And now, um, I mean, Baldur's Gate 2 starts with, starts literally right where Siege of Dragonspear ended. If, if you're not familiar with the, uh, the kind of um, genealogy of games that exist between Baldur's Gate uh, and Baldur's Gate 2, what happened is that Baldur's Gate initially came out way back in the day, 1997, 1998, something like that. Baldur's Gate 2 came out a couple years later, so there's a time gap in between them within the game. But when the enhanced editions were made by Beamdog, 
they came and they said, you know what? We're going to make some content in between those two games. And that's what Siege of Dragonspear is. So the very moment that Siege of Dragonspear ends is the intro uh, video for Baldur's Gate 2. Mm-hmm. Wowie. So we've we've missed no time. No time. Well, there's a kind of a... You do kind of wake up at the beginning of Baldur's Gate 2, so you're, you are uh, apprehended, you are kidnapped in some way, and then there is like a little bit of plausible like deniability in terms of, well, how much time was it between? So we didn't miss content, but maybe we've missed time, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you've been in prison for X amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, so, uh, so, Danny, tell me how, how did Balthazar... What did this look like when you woke up? What was this all about? I don't know. A lot of chaos, a lot of uh, explosions going places. Like a like a little fellow runs around and then explodes. That happens after I wake up in a cage in like a very dungeony, like a lot of steel grating, uh, kind of almost kind of post industrial type little prison. I woke up in. It was a little Pits- jarring. Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's Pittsburgh. Yeah, um, it's just Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so yeah, it was a little disorienting. Uh, one thing we may have forgotten to mention is that because uh, this is gonna this is gonna become important in just a few moments. I don't want the audience to think I'm just a complete jerk. Balthazar, part of his uh, spiritual growth as a character that that we went through in Baldur's Gate One, has completely rejected the paradigm of having a party. So, so Balthazar, this entire game series is is playing solo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's important because I noticed that there are several other characters uh, that I have to interact with in the in like the first few minutes of this game, and Balthazar is immediately overcome with frustration and rejects all attempts by those characters to to form any kind of fellowship. Yeah. So you wake up. And, yeah, you are uh, uh, opened, your cage is opened by Imowen, right? And so if you're mm-hmm. familiar with the games, Imowen is kind of your um, uh, kind of sister, I guess. Like, she is also your adoptive father, Garion's ward, in the mm-hmm. same way that you are his, his ward. And you can, like, optionally uh, hang out with her in Baldur's Gate 1. Neither of us chose to do that. And uh, you can, like, supposedly have an emotional connection to her in Siege of Dragonspear, and neither of us chose to do that. And so, uh, so yeah, she's very overly familiar and acts as if we have been adventuring for years and years and years. Despite the fact that I left her at the gates of Candlekeep after she left. Like Like a full year ago. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, And so, yeah, so she shows up and she says, hey, we gotta get out of here, blah, 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 and... Uh, Jahira, who is a druid, and then Minsk, who is a ranger but kind of has the temperament of a barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are there too, and they're mad. They want to get out. Yeah. And I need a party because I will disintegrate upon being uh, attacked by a goblin. At least and, until you get disintegrate. Whoa. Disintegration ray. Mm-hmm. It'll happen at some point. Um, but yeah, so I got them all. So yeah, did I didn't you, get anybody. I do like the uh, freeing Minsk options. Mm-hmm, so talk about that. Um, so I think if you're strong enough, you can attempt to break open Minsk's uh, cage. But you can also berate Minsk, which my character was doing 
wholeheartedly. Like my mm-hmm. character was actually, you know, kind of just putting him down and eventually, and, and basically be like, you're useless Minsk. Uh, what are you even doing here? Etc. And eventually uh, Minsk gets so angry. He breaks himself out. And then for a moment, he's about to, uh, he's about to attack you because you angered him. And then he realizes, or he, he convinces himself, Oh, you were only saying the things you were saying so he would get mad enough to break the cage, which was not the case on Balthazar's part. Like, I could have broken open the cage if I wanted to. I just didn't. I just genuinely didn't like Minsk. Is this just a clash of wills that you had there where you're trying to convince him, no, you really hate him? Yeah, and uh, he attacked me in Baldur's Gate 1 and I killed him. And then I guess he got resurrected mm. and had his memory wiped in Dra- Siege of Dragon Spear. <laughs> I get yeah that is true you killed him in the street right yeah yeah I guess that's that is a difference uh in this uh in this game versus uh some other games right because you can import characters right we have imported our characters across three games and you could mm-hmm. import a character from the original Baldur's Gate but you um but but you couldn't really import like plot points it wasn't a Mass Effect kind of thing even though Mass Effect is part of this kind of genealogy of games and uh, so, yeah, you just they just kind of reset the world state and uh, kind of hope that you don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But I think Minsk is part of what is known as the canonical party. Yeah, of of Baldur's of the Baldur's Gate series, and so he's got to show back up. I think. Mm-hmm. And are is Ticklevar right now committing to the canonical party in Baldur's Gate Two? So I've actually looked up the the notion of the canonical party because you see it show up uh, like in forum threads and that kind of thing. And there's actually not really a strong agreement about what the canonical party is. The agreement is basically it's everyone you meet in this dungeon, and we'll talk about who all those people are, Mm -hmm. plus um, one other person. I think the canonical party is only a five. Mm. So you get a flex spot. You You get a flex. Well, it gets filled later in the game. Uh, purposefully but but gotcha. in any case in any case um so i don't know yet but i say all of that to say that the canonical party is talked about as, as something that's like real and true but also is very unclear what that actually is mm. i did however i'll say this right here in the middle of the episode i did buy the Baldur's Gate novels after phil daigle told us about them oh man and they're coming in the mail so we'll that's get gonna some, be another lore episode uh, we're gonna get some updates on that's that. every third wednesday that's that's not that's okay. not not Baldur's Gate lore. Oh, maybe we should do that. Anyway, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we roll out of here, and then basically, so you're in this dungeon, this capture mm-hmm. dungeon, and uh, it's just like, do whatever the hell you want time. Yeah, this is, I think, it's almost the platonic ideal of the dungeon-ass dungeon that we've like referred to over the course of the last 19 episodes. Yes, like, this is a dungeon-ass dungeon. Gary Gygax is like living his best life here. Mm-hmm. It's it, like it, like uh, Arneson has a vision board at home, and it's just like each room of this thing attached in the perfect way, right? Like truly a D ass dungeon and this is a real uh, gear shift which i think this is a this is it's great to talk about this now because we spoke a little bit about the design ethic of siege of dragon spear and kind of the design and encounter uh influences mm-hmm. that went into siege of dragon spear versus baldur's gate one this is a major shift back into a baldur's gate one-esque design space 
um, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, because this, I mean, how many times were you truly tested in an encounter in this dungeon? Uh, zero times. Zero times. Same with me. I this did die a, one time, but I think mm-hmm. I died to poison. Yeah. This is a straight-up Gygaxian, like, things are, ha- like, there are a bunch of goblins wandering around. They are level one. Like, the, your party's, what? I mean, Balthazar's level ten, but your party's probably level seven or level eight, right? I think I think we're level ten. Really? Yeah, we're like level nine and ten, yeah. Level nine and ten, yeah. So, it's, these goblins aren't meant to to pose your party a risk, they're here because, like, according to the story, they have to be here. Like, they're, I guess they're just Irenicus's minions or what have you. Yeah, unclear. But yeah, yeah. so so what, what Danny means, and if you've been listening to the show for forever, you you know this already, but, like, the Gygaxian ideal is that the world is a simulation of a real place, and the things you will encounter are the real things you would encounter. So, in the middle of this dungeon, like, quite literally smack dab in the middle, there's a garbage pit. And in that garbage pit, there's a an Otyug. I don't know mm-hmm. how you... And an Otyug in D&D lore is just like a trash monster. It just eats trash mm-hmm. and, like, poops out slime. And that's its whole business. And lo and behold, if you go to the middle of the dungeon, it is there, and it's just eating trash and pooping slime. And it's fairly easy to kill, but, like, it ecologically makes sense for the world. Exactly. It is not encounter-designed. So, yeah, I I appreciate this a lot. Yeah, I think that both of us, I think uh, Ticklevar, for very specific logistical reasons, was was not the biggest fan of of kind of the CR rating Icewind Dale-esque encounter design that that tested his meager abilities. Well, Um, I feel like that's a a bad, like a rude way to put it, but but yeah. Um, so I, I think, uh, and I don't know, it's just a, it was a real, it was a real kind of sigh of relief in a lot of ways to know that, okay, I'm going to do this dungeon, but I'm, I'm not going to be like grinding my teeth every every five minutes when I go into a new room. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the further we get along in this, um, and I think we're going to talk about this quite a bit over the rest of the episode while we talk about the rest of this dungeon. But I think that the thing that draws me to the Baldur's Gate series is the narrative and story content for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like, I enjoy the combat uh, when it is interesting, but I just, like, I don't I don't want to fight five fire beetles because fire beetles are the next encounter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I would rather uh do like an interesting quest or like um have someone have like a death curse on them and have to kill things to get the death curse off right not just to make it to the next room mm-hmm. and i feel like there's like a thin line between those things but it is one that Baldur's Gate that Baldur's Gate 1 and Baldur's Gate 2 i think really rides really well in a way that Siege of Dragonspear maybe is trying to do half and half it's like trying to have to fulfill the combat based desires for some players and the story based desires for other others and like i i can't kind of pick my way Mm -hmm. you know yeah but so that's kind of like a larger kind of a macro look at this dungeon but there's a there's because of this kind of nature as this dungeon ass dungeon you're gonna see there's just a lot of variety there's like there's still a an overarching 
story connection in a lot of this dungeon, which the the canvas is a very wide canvas because we know that like some powerful wizard is uh is kind of has been holding us here, right? Um so that that gives the the designers a lot of a lot of room to put different things into this dungeon as opposed to like a hobgoblin captain. There's only so much like stuff that's going to be in a hobgoblin captain's dungeon, but the, the, you know. So, I mean, let's let's talk about some some stuff we run into into this in this weird place. A number 1. And we're not covering everything cuz like literally every room is just some other random thing. Mm-hmm. So we just like made a list of things we think are the most interesting and if you don't think that is true, then you can you can do your own show and comment and comment. You can tell us we're wrong or that we're right or something, I guess. Yeah, link um, link your show in the comment. Yeah, yeah. You you produce your own show for eight and a half months, and then you link it in the comments, and I'll mm-hmm. say, I'll hit the little thumbs up button, and I'll say, it's good. Good mm-hmm. on you for putting the time and effort in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's this this guy called Ataka. Ataqua? Sure. I don't, it doesn't say it in the game, so it's hard to know. But Ataka the genie. Yeah. You like this genie, huh? This genie was interesting. I don't know if I like went through it optimally in the dialogue, but well, he, uh, this genie, he, I guess, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. had uh, like wanted to pose a riddle to me, and I tried to didn't, like reject being posed a riddle. Mm-hmm. I just conceptually, I, you're not on board. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not on board with riddles because there's like there's some lying involved in riddles because you're not just saying the answer. Like, <laughs> riddles are antithetical to the pure brute force ideology that Balthazar fully embraces. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're hiding something, and he hides nothing. <laughs> because okay. pure naked force hides nothing. Sure, sure. Um, the immovable object would never hide. And the, the dialogue options did not allow me that option, right? I, I could not, like, he was like, no, you've got to answer. And I think I answered wrong on the first one. And, well, uh, what do you say? And and so basically I answer something and then he gave me a follow-up and then he said something cryptic and disappeared and it made me think that I failed. I just said, I'm not answering your riddle. And he said, you got to answer this riddle. And I said, no, I won't. And he just disappeared. Really? Yeah. Maybe Man. I'm smarter than you. It might be. <laughs> I wonder if that... I don't know, right? So so Siege of Dragonspear, uh, by virtue of being developed 15 years after the other games... Um, has the ability to use your different skills in dialogue in the same way that, like, the Fallout games, the original Fallout games, I mean, the new ones do this too, but, like, Fallout 1 and 2 and then Planescape Torment, uh, all those games had the ability to use your uh, skills in non-combat situations. So intelligence Mm -hmm. mattered and strength mattered uh, when you're talking to people. I don't know if that's the case in this game or not. I I can't remember specific examples, and it's been probably... Um, I want to say like eight years since I played this game the last. Yeah. So, so, uh, I don't, I don't know. So maybe, yeah, maybe I was able to like skip my way through that in a way that you're like 22 strength could not. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, I just said, I'll answer none of the questions and he asked like a, like a, a prisoner's dilemma question. Oh no, he did. He did answer that. I, I'm sorry. He did ask me that, and I said, "I just, I'm not answering the question." That is. Oh, that I said I don't know, and then he disappeared. Oh, uh, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's what I. That is what I ended up doing. Yeah, he just straight up asked the prisoner's dilemma. Mm-hmm. And I know I remember from from years past having played this game. 
if you uh, choose like the bad one, like I'm going to wail on that button mm-hmm. to electrocute my buddy, uh, then he will attack you. Really? Yeah, and you can fight him. Mm, I wonder if he drops a cool sword. Probably not cooler than the other sword you can get in this oh, level. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We will. So, uh, what else? What other cool, interesting things are so in our... In terms of environmental story design, mm-hmm. I think one of the coolest themes throughout this uh, this dungeon are these clone jars, these glass jar monsters that you find in a few rooms throughout the dungeon. Um, as you're kind of going through the dungeon, you'll find it depends on the order in which you go because it's not really uh, linear. There's an optimal path if you're just doing a speed run, but... You know, as you stumble through, you're going to find uh, you're going to find this room with all of these jars, these kind of glass vats, and uh, and when you inspect them, there are these creatures in them. They're kind of deformed. They're it's a little ambiguous as to what they are. They all look like variations on the same theme, and eventually you will uh, you'll stumble upon one that will actually speak to you. And that uh, character's name is Raylev, I think. Yeah, yeah. Ryleev, something like Ryleev. that. Ryleev, and Ryleev uh, kind of spills the beans and says that there's a master. He, at first, he believes that you are either the master or a servant of the master. And Ryleev is being tortured, more or less. Like he does not, he or it does not want to be here. Yeah, he's got the saddest uh, voice acting in human history. Totally. Maybe we can track down that voice actor and get him to be on the show for like two minutes. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll make a note. And so Ryleev, more or less, you find out that there is a a device which is powering Ryleev's animation. And you are able to find that device and... You're able to go to another room with all of these glass vats and animate several other of these creatures. All of the creatures are in just unspeakable agony. They all want to be released. And as as an end to this little quest, I I release Riley from his terrible its terrible existence. Mm-hmm. Did you did you get what he w- was in life? Did you so, pick up yeah, that? Yeah, because he's pick like that undead up. now or something or something. Sure, preserved. But yeah, so mm-hmm. so you did pick it up? No, I don't think so. What what was Riley before? Oh, he was uh, like a faithful hound. That's what he says. So I and I take that as literally he was a dog. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've always thought that was very sad that like this wizard uplifted his dog, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then like captured him. Interesting. And kept him forever. Yeah, all of the all of the little creatures in the in the glass vats that you can talk to are are named tortured one. And mm-hmm. they're all basically saying um things like, you know, hey, I wasn't attempting to steal anything from the mistress. Um you know, they they're all desperately, you know, as psychophants trying to beg for their um, beg for their release, so this is just a, a very elaborate torture chamber. Yeah, or or like it, it's unclear, right? Like where the um, where the impetus for creating it comes from, right? Mm-hmm. 
like, is it this wizard is trying to preserve life Mm -hmm. and in doing so has like warped those desires and hurt those people he wanted to preserve? Yeah. Or is it really torture? Because clearly like the one person or the one creature who says, uh, you know, I went into the mistress's chamber. That one's very sad too. Like I went into the mistress's chamber, even though I wasn't supposed to, uh, I felt a lot of pain and then I woke up here. Uh, is it really that dangerous, Master? Like, he, like they just don't understand what's happened to them, and they, I guess, have been preserved here for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Mm. Like, there's a, there's real tragedy in these uh, in these stories, I think. But, and I feel like it's, it's appropriate to talk about this here. On a different level, there is another room with kind of similar vats. Mm-hmm. But instead of seeing tortured ones in those vats... They are all clones of a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're kind of a no-spoiler show mm-hmm. in the sense that we don't, we don't really talk about what's happening in episodes after this, even if we know. And I have a, I have a fairly good rem- memory of the, the big plot points, but uh, this does not get paid off on for, like, 40 more hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real, um, like... Slow burn. Hang on to your butts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So just remember that. Remember this moment uh, here in the first in the first half hour of the first episode. Yeah, because uh, in eight and a half months we're gonna get there again. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so yeah, glass vats, sad bad, uh, sorcerer dad. Is this and... your new? Is this your new rap? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> and barbarian uh, rhymes. I don't know what what else on this first floor uh, kind of interested you. Hmm. There are a couple things. There is a. Uh, there are some Dwager. How do you say that? Dr- I always said Drew. Dwe- yeah, Dwager. I guess. I don't Isn't there know. a R in another place? You might have misspelled I, Dwerger. I don't know. They're <laughs> they're bad dwarves. Bad dwarves. Bad dwarves. Dark dwarves. Yeah, dark dwarves, and they're here making like knives mm-hmm. for, for this wizard. They make knives. Not even. Uh, not even like weapons. Just cutlery. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're associated with the kitchen staff. Yeah, it's a hierarchical relationship, and uh, they are, of course, as is the uh, purview of D and D fiction. They are evil, and mm-hmm. they are like unquestioningly and biologically evil. Mm-hmm. They're just an evil people, lawful evil. They are lawful evil, even though there are or there is a Drizzt Doerden novel in which he allies himself with a Dwegger, and they are buddies, mm-hmm. both proving that fantasy racism is bad. The exception proves the rule, though. Well, all of the other of them in that novel are, in fact, evil. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's kind of still still uh, solidifying some bad stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they're there, and uh, they're just, like, making knives, and I thought that's cool. I think it's cool that, like, this is part of that ecology, that, like, there are people here who... Who do that? They're also right outside of a uh, room with a demon in it, and it's just hanging out. Yeah, I killed that demon. You can like uh, fiddle with some devices to release the demon from a fear of invulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, no real payoff for that. It's just there. It's there because the sorcerer was doing the you know the the wizard that inhabits this place was doing experiments on it. Yeah, I but- I wonder if that is a uh, like um like a generator. That, like, powers the facility. It's using infernal power. 
infernal energies. That's real renewable energy. It never goes away. It never goes away. It's the new nuclear energy. And much like nuclear energy, when it goes bad, <laughs> it's like real bad. It's real bad. You don't want that in your backyard. Yeah, the, the, the kind of Faerunian equivalent of a Fukushima disaster is, uh, <laughs> is a bad time. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the demon at the bottom of Watcher's Keep, and he just he gets out. Yeah. You don't want that happening. Or it, maybe it's way <laughs> more benign, where it's just a demon that takes over a um, a facility a la um, Durlag's Tower and just mm-hmm. like leaves the rest of the area alone and just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this, with this tower. Mm-hmm. Here's where just I live don't, now. Just don't go in the tower. I shoot dark energy into space every day, but don't look at it. You're fine. <laughs> Uh, I also send demons out of my castle to drag people to hell. Don't worry about it. Yeah, th- that's only a problem if you're out adventuring, which we all know, like, the moral, you know, composure of adventurers. It's nil. <laughs> There's none. But, uh, okay, so so that happens, and you can kill these, or, I mean, you're forced to kill these uh, these dwarves, and uh, you get these, like, little, little seeds. You get some seeds. Mm-hmm. You can run those... Uh, seeds all the way across the level. There's a lot of like running back and forth in this dungeon mm-hmm. to go do stuff. And uh, there are some dryads that like live beside this like creepy bedroom. This is like kind of yeah. on the way out of the dungeon. And you can say, "Hey, I have these seeds," and they say, "Oh crap, these seeds are ours. If you take these to the Windspear Hills and give them to our like dryad buddy, and dryads are kind of like wood spirits." Mm-hmm. If you give it to the Dryad Queen or something, there's a hierarchical relationship there, then uh, she can rescue us. And I said, okay, I guess I'll do that. Yeah, and speaking of environmental storylines, so I imagine that the... Uh, the So there's kind of a little arboreum, basically, in the middle of the mm-hmm. dungeon where these Dryads are. The Dryads say they want to escape, but they can't leave because their spirits are tied to a tree in that ar- arboreum. Mm-hmm. So I imagine the seeds would enable those uh, other dryad buddies to plant them elsewhere so their spirits could be tied to those trees instead, and that would allow them to escape. Um, but there's also a lot of like real creepy stuff, because you know that the, the wizard who's running this place is a he- and there's this, uh, there's this like elaborate bed, like bedchamber. And from previous story things, you imagine this is the mistress's bedchamber mm-hmm. because it's also heavily trapped, right? So the tortured ones like looping us back in there. So like, and and the dryads explicitly say we are his concubines, mm-hmm. right? So that like you've you've already got like some real storytelling these people are sex slaves so the person running this this dungeon has has like enslaved these three spirits yeah because they uh like yeah what they talk about is like he wants to feel emotions like i don't even know if it is explicitly sexual in nature mm-hmm. i think it is more like and I, this will be talked about more as the game goes on, but literally it's like a metaphysical relationship in the sense of he is trying to use them to generate emotions. Mm. So it's like even more, or maybe not more insidious, but just also insidious Yeah, uh, in in the way that it, that it functions. Well, he wants to capture them and basically hold them almost as his own muses, like in yeah. kind of a more classical sense. Yeah, well, because, like, dryads, they can induce emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when you summon one in the game to, like, help you out, 
like a huge number of their abilities are charm and that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Dire charm. And so literally, like, this is an interesting, like, mechanical narrative scenario in which he is trying to, he has turned them into slaves to make them do that to him in order to, to feel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's just so much evil. going on here. And I think that there are some encounters that can tell a story like this, but it's it's just so much more time efficient to, like, write the story, right? And just to, to put people here. And, I, I like, this is that Gygaxian stuff coming through. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there's a... Uh, yeah, there, there's, like, a... Like, when you... If you don't check for traps, say, in the mistress's chamber... Sure. You walk in, and um, it, it, this didn't happen to me this playthrough, but if memory serves, this, like, big green blob falls down on you, and you get, like, mazed. Mm-hmm. Maze in this... Uh, in Dungeons & Dragons, maze is literally a spell... Where you are is cast on you, and you are teleported to a magical maze in like another plane, mm-hmm. and so you just kind of wander around, and like you don't get to see that visual part, but you're just kind of like out of existence for a while. And so, like you're talking about with the tortured one, the implication is like anyone who walks into that room gets mazed, and he goes and plucks you out of the maze, and then puts you in the in, mm. the, in the thing, right? And like that's yeah. like amazing environmental storytelling, right? Yeah. What we what we like eventually in video game design and development called environmental storytelling, a la Bioshock or whatever. Sure, but yeah, beautiful, really, beautiful stuff. Really interesting stuff. So by the time you do that, you're basically finished with the first floor of this dungeon, and there's a second floor with like just as much cool stuff in a lot of ways. Well, just really quickly, so like you have to jump around through a bunch of hoops to do this, but eventually you get like a little statue. And there's a door over where the uh, the Dwegar, or whatever they're called, uh, where they are. And that takes you to the elemental plane of air. Oh, yeah. That's on the first floor, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the first floor. And uh, and so you can go in there, and you can talk to a genie. And what, is, what does he say? What does he say, Dan? Oh, yeah. The genie uh, basically is being held there. And, uh, and I basically tell the genie, hey, I'm willing to free you, like... Uh, you know, just just let me know what I need to do. And the genie says that uh, that his spirit is bound here. There's this particular item that's been stolen from him by Irenicus. And I believe the item is in the mistress's chamber. Is that correct? Yeah, something like yeah. that. So I'm, I'm able to, like, go secure the item. And I think I have to, like, talk to the dryads, too. Like, oh, yeah, part yeah. Of this quest. Yeah, yeah, the dryads have it. Yeah, the dryads have it. And when you go back to the genie and you give him the 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 object, this MacGuffin that he needs, uh, he gave me an item, and that item is Saravok's sword. And there's like a cool tooltip for it too that I really like. That's like this is the sword that Saravok used against you in the battle in far away Baldur's Gate. Yeah, and uh it's really neat because there's a little bit of uh and I would love to like go back through the games and like read some of this more carefully, but there's a big thing in the very beginning of Siege of Dragonspear about that sword. Yeah. So it's I wonder if people are like afraid is, of it. I wonder if the implication is that the wizard um, controlling this dungeon was the one and went and got the sword, or did the genie get the sword? Like, I would love to see the chain of custody on that sword. <laughs> well, it comes back in a big way later on in the next expansion, too. 
Totally. I don't know if you, yeah. I don't know, if you know about that, but yeah. And I think so, if you hang on to the item, it's important too. So I'm yeah. going to make sure to keep that in my inventory. Yeah, me too. So yeah, so there's that. So that's a, that's like a cool and like you can completely miss that. That's like two separate like items you have to find to make that quest work for like yeah. what's really like twelve lines of dialogue or something. But it's pretty pretty huge. Yeah. No, totally. So we go up to the second floor. There's a little portal. We use that mm-hmm. portal to to jump up there, and uh, we meet a dude named Yoshimo. Mm-hmm. He's like a he's like a thief. He's a bounty hunter, I think. He's, I think he's is is he multi class Kinsey? Kensai? Oh, maybe he is. Yeah, he might be. Yeah, I believe so. Which are kind of a fighter that eschews armor, and they're just real good at swinging a sword around. Oh, no, he has armor. Oh, does he? Oh, so yeah. it must be a thief. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's like, a, I think, a, a bounty hunter, um, which is like a thief sub-kit. Oh, that's right. That's right. He I like, knew it was a sub-kit, but that's right. It's a thief sub-kit. Yeah, he like uh, plants um, traps and stuff, mm. a thing which I have never, ever used. Sure. Well, you don't need traps. You've got skull traps. Got skull traps. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so about this time uh, in the game, I found out that casting the spell skull trap six times a day is just basically kicking this game in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Like, it kills everything. And so, uh, so yeah, we do a lot of melee encounters throughout this thing. And by we, I mean my, my entire party. But uh, basically anything that's a little bit remotely difficult, I just cast skull trap right into it. Oh, the way that I had a character die was it was uh, Jahira, and I cast Skulltrap on her on accident. Just by what is Skulltrap? Like I, the, you're, you're speaking to a barbarian here, so you got Skulltrap like... is a it literally is like a little skull, and it like goes out and floats in space, and it's like a proximity mine. Hmm. So whatever gets close to it does like X D six damage. It's like it's like a fireball that stands in place and it and isn't fire. And is it area damage or just like is it a oh, small area, big area? Hell yeah, it's it's area damage. It's a little bit smaller than a fireball, I would think. Mm. I would say. But yeah, so you can like you can run down a hallway, cast it, and when people follow you down that hallway, they explode. You can use it in a lot of ways, but it'll it, it, it friendly fire is involved. Like but every area certainly of lends itself to the most gorgeous kind of cheese. Yeah, yeah. You could cast like five in one area and then somehow pull someone through it i've not done any of that yet i haven't really had the opportunity to do that since i've had skull trap but i will absolutely do that at some point mm-hmm. gotcha yeah yeah so but yeah y- yoshimo's there and do you recruit this yoshimo i did I, i'm recruiting everybody that i can until i have the option basically in this game um like chapters one and two are the recruitment chapters where you kind of run around um some big urban areas, Baldur's Gate style urban areas and recruit people. And I'm going to have everybody from here up until that point. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I told Yoshimo to get lost. What do you say? Uh, well, I guess I'll just, uh, work my way behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just, uh, walk in your murder wake. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, and then the next room we see a sad thing. Oh, no. But you don't see a sad thing, do you? I don't at all. Oh, my word. So in the next room, there's like a little encounter, and it's it, it's whatever. But after that encounter is over, if you have Jahira in your party, Jahira notices that Khalid, her husband, and like best buddy, and, and supreme coward, and supreme coward, like uh, a profoundly frustrating game coward, Khalid, he, ha- he is dead. And he's been, like, all chopped up. Chopped up Oof. so much that he cannot be resurrected from the dead. And it makes her mad as hell. 
And she, like, yells at every person in the party specifically and tells them to shut up. It's awesome. Oh, so so there's even dialogue interaction between betwixt characters. Yeah, so she's like, if whatever you say to her, she's like, shut up, you're wrong. And then Imowen's like, oh, we, we all love Khalid. Oh, no, Imowen's like, I saw what he showed me. There's a lot of Imowen in this dungeon of her being like, this wizard showed me all this stuff. All this, like, horrifying murder and whatnot that he did. And so, yeah, apparently uh, she she saw him cutting on Khalid. And uh, it's pretty messed up. It's pretty Damn. messed up. And, yeah, so Jahira's like, shut up, child. Don't tell me about it. And Minsk is like, hey, you shouldn't tell people to shut up. And she's like, you're a buffoon. <laughs> Ooh. I know. Deep cut. Deep cut. And so, yeah, so it's a, this, this is um, a weird kind of fridging where it's the inverse of normal fridging. But uh, but fridging nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless. Yeah. Anyway, so she's murdered, or Khalid is murdered, and now Jahir is real mad about it. Also, we find out from Minsk that Dinah here, his, like, kind of companion, she was also murdered. She was murdered in between games. Whoa. Yeah. How, does, find, how do we find that out? He just tells ta- it? Yeah, when you're talking to him at the very beginning. Hmm. Yeah. That's Maybe rough. you should have listened before berating him. Yeah. But anyway, so so yeah, basically what the game is saying is like every character that you think you need to have here at the beginning is dead, so don't worry about it. I got you. They're saying, hey, don't keep an eye out. Yeah, because I think the canonical party for Baldur's Gate 1 is something like uh, Dinahir, Minsk, Jahira, Khalid, Emowen, you. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so there's that, and there's like some more little encounters, and then there's a big room of wands. Yep, this is kind of, uh, this is peak second edition puzzly stuff happening. You pick up a bunch of wands, like in the previous few rooms, and you get to a room that uh, is obviously trapped, and the room even shows you that it is trapped because there are enemies in the room, and when they approach you, they get wanded uh, Mm -hmm. from these kind of statues on the sides of the rooms. And if you want to pass safely... I guess you you have to like put wands in each of the statues in order to like neutralize them, something along those lines. Yeah, you like unhook, you like unlock the wand and take it out of the statue. That's right. That's like right. each each trap is uh, a different kind of wand, so it's like magic missile, lightning bolt, frost. Mm-hmm. You know. Although I'm pretty powerful. sure you can avoid it by just walking along the walls. Like I don't I think, think you, you can. can. Yeah. yeah. And right next to that room is a... So there's a few hints into what's going on in the greater dungeon in this room. Yeah. And one of those hints is uh, you go into this room and there are these shadow thieves attacking a very obvious vampire. A, you know it's a vampire because it's like the vampire model. Because there's only one humanoid that looks like that. Mm-hmm. Like with the with the kind of marionette arms. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like... Front- um. And, like, kind of, like, Egyptian clothing. Sure. And, like, hunched over. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also, they're blue. Yeah. <laughs> There's so Also, it says vampire on their face. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Vampire's attacking. Uh, so, I go and I, I attack the vampire. And vampire turns into a bat. And then I attack the bat. And then the bat turns into gas. This is a real Dracula vampire. Yeah. Straight like a up. a classic vampire. And then the shadow thieves attack me. Yeah, Shadow Thieves, like, don't stop. And if you've uh, been listening to the show since the beginning, you'll remember that the Shadow Thieves have showed up a couple times uh, in uh, 
um, in the series. In Baldur's Gate 1, there was like hints that the Shadow Thieves were involved in doing stuff in Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And that was like, a, I don't remember what quest it was for, but that was like the rumor that was covering up the real bad stuff that was happening. To get to Saravox, like final, like those car- caverns and then the, the ball temple under the earth. Mm-hmm. Did we go through the Thieves Guild yeah. maze? Yeah, so that wasn't yeah. Shadow Thieves. Those were just regular thieves. Exactly. Shadow Thieves are a like a more insidious guild of thieves. Those they're just murderers. Like I don't think they're in it for material wealth. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna get much more familiar with the shadow thieves as time goes on. So okay, we'll, we'll find out. I'll withhold judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As one should. So there's but so, yeah. The, yeah. So you do that. You there's the there's the room with the vampire that you see shadow thieves, and then as you're kind of escaping this this dungeon, you get confronted by shadow thieves one more time, and they. Uh, they're like, we can't let you leave because we're we're, we're trying to to get this fella named Irenicus, and we're we're gonna get you. And I mm. I couldn't talk my way out of that, but Balthazar obviously has no reason to talk his way out of anything. It's true. Yeah. So this is the final. This is the first moment where we find out our our wizard enemy's actual name. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and do some spoiling here. It's not really spoiling, it's just some dot connecting. Mm-hmm. Irenicus is the hooded figure. Yeah. From from Siege of Dragonspear. And you could have easily figured that out in the opening moments of uh, Baldur's Gate 2, especially if you had just finished Siege of Dragonspear, because the voice actor for the this wizard that you see like in the first few moments of uh, of Siege of Baldur's Gate 2 has the same voice as as the yeah. hooded figure in Dragonspear. But we're going to see a lot more. If you remember from Siege of Dragonspear, uh, there's a lot of the hooded figure saying, you need your power. Your your power will make you stronger. Do do murder. You don't know what you're doing now, but you, you're destined to do a thing. To, to do a thing. You'll do the murders, I promise. Are you ready? So there's a lot of that, and we're going to see a whole lot more of that. And Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 2, like, way more. Siege of Dragonspear really primed us well. Yeah, yeah, it's doubling the the creepy voice man stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, there's a tunnel. Yeah. And we zip on up that tunnel. Go and towards the light. What's at the top? A, a ruins. A crater. Straight up. And, and out of that crater, Will Smith appears. Mm-hmm. Welcome to, welcome to Arm. Um. Welcome to Arm. Um, welcome to Afkatla. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're we're there. We're 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 in the middle of a city in a crater, and uh, we're this is a cutscene. So so Emmeline's doing a bunch of talking on her own, and I guess whoever you've uh, you've interacted with. So I didn't even recruit Emmeline, but Emmeline's outside. Yeah, they made their own way out, like yeah. you told them to. And, and yeah, so there's a lot of discussion about like, why'd you make me watch all that murder? Mm-hmm. He says, I want to make you more powerful. Yeah, Irenicus is like, you don't understand. No one understands Irenicus. That's kind of his his go-to. You think that's his thing? That's like, No one understands like, me. No, just no one gets me, okay? I'm just a wizard. <laughs> I just I just want to be a wizard who does what he wants to do. I no, so need... you've, gone to, you've gone to like wizard talk, but there was like another voice you were just doing. Like, no yeah. one understands me. So which Lord of the Ring character is that? 
I think that's all still the same one, but but one is like the teen that is inside of. Maybe it'll be like a picture in picture. Mm, or it could be like an emofied uh, Christopher, or or an emofied wizard from uh-huh. from like an emofied uh, Saruman. No one understands me. No one understands me. I just wanna I just wanna create mechanization and then uh, f- fight the Dark Dark Lord Sauron. No one gets me. I had a perpetual energy machine that harnessed the power of a tannery. That was so hard. My parents did not support me. No one believes in me. Even though I created a giant dungeon beneath the city, no one even knew about it. This might get cut. This this, this (laughs) joke only only half works. Yeah. (laughs) Uh... But yeah, so so I I wrote in the show notes, Irenicus puts on a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he. It, it's so basically, Irenicus attempts. I think this gets initiated by Irenicus uh, casting a spell on Emowyn, and Emowyn casts one right back. Right, mm-hmm. she casts then, a magic missile. Casts magic missile back at him. So you see, uh, and I guess if you've had Emowyn in your party, you know that she's had. She's like dual classed in mm-hmm. the, during siege. Um. And then all these all these wizards start these hooded wizards start teleporting in. They start gating in. And they say, You're under arrest. You're under wizard arrest. The and worst what, kind. what what group are these folks from? Uh the cowl wizards? Yeah, I think the cowled order, something along those lines. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't I don't quite remember. Yeah, the cowled wizards and uh they're they're arresting folks. They said it's an unsanctioned use of magic. And Irenicus is frustrated at that and just starts one-shotting them. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if this were a YouTube video, there would be, like, a sniper rifle going up to the center of the video and, like, headshot, headshot, headshot. It'd be one of those. Is the, is the implication that you're making here is that I have to do that? <laughs> like, I feel I like so. what you're doing is you're setting me up to have to, like, do a lot of work here. Well, it is it is a big episode, so... Okay, I mean, well, what? here it is. <laughs> Just watch it. Nope. Be quiet. This is an unsanctioned use of magical energy. All involved will be held. This disturbance is over. Must I be interrupted at every turn? Enough of this. <laughs> It's probably done now. No, that's good. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Irenicus puts on a show in like different different uh, spells, turning some people to stone, shattering the stone, fireballing people, some real nasty stuff. And but the cow wizards keep coming, and eventually one of them says, "There's just more of us than you. You're going to run out of mana, dude." <laughs> That's, the blue your blue real, orb's going to deplete. That's some genre mixing. No, that they said you're just going to run out of your spells. Like, mm-hmm. Um and eventually Irenicus says, "Okay, well I surrender, but you got to take you got to take that that little girl too because she cast a magic missile at me." So mm-hmm. she's equally guilty in the eyes of your ridiculous law. Yeah. That and that law is maybe the most annoying thing in this game, especially as a sorcerer. <laughs> and so like the next episode is going to open with me doing the quest to uh to stop that, to get rid of that. Oh, is there there a quest for a permit? Uh no, you, yeah, you can just bribe a guy. Ah. Uh, yeah, Balthazar's never going to worry about that. Yep. So uh so yeah, so they teleport away 
and your entire party is like, well, I guess we need to rescue her somehow. No, it's interesting without a party because there is no direction whatsoever after they <laughs> teleport away. Like it's just dead silence. Yeah, it's just dead silence, and I can talk to a guard, and the only real hints of a quest would be uh, the fact that I can ask the guard and, and ask in a very concerned manner about where Emmeline could have gone, where those wizards could have taken her. But outside of the game suggesting that that could be a thing I ask someone, um, it's really just uh, it's just the beginning of like an Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> well, here you are. All right. Hey, you live here now. Uh, mm-hmm. Good work. You might be an emperor or something. Who knows? You could be anything. Uh, to it. Yeah, when you uh, when you leave this zone, I think someone talks to you to like get that next quest going. Thankfully, gotcha. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's the first uh, that's the first dungeon. That's a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. So we've kind of because we know that uh, Baldur's Gate. This is a this is a big game. This is a, a large game with a lot of content. So we've kind of mapped out what's coming next and what's going to come after this this was irenicus's dungeon this is this episode what are we doing next episode we are doing the promenade walking's promenade we're just wandering around and uh maybe going to the slums too because there's i think six areas for the city Mm -hmm. we're gonna go all we're gonna go to a couple of them in the next episode I'm going to, balthazar is gonna just you're gonna know where he's been because uh the, the promenade is gonna gonna look a lot more orderly after he's finished with it. Is there going to be uh something in his wake? Destruction sown in his wake? Oh, so say it the wise alondo. Mm. Is that is that what's gonna happen? Maybe you're gonna be a prophecy fulfiller. I don't believe in that nonsense. Oh, really? Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, that was uh the first episode of season three of. Mages and Murder Dads. This is big, big stuff here. Big stuff. Uh, once again, uh, all the stuff. You can follow us both on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. You can hit like and subscribe here on YouTube and hit that weird little bell thing. If you uh, actually want to see all the videos, they come out bi-weekly. Um, the, the theme song is by John Fio this uh, this time. Silverskinned did our little portraits. I forgot to say that at the top. At Silverskinned, you, uh, you can follow her on Twitter. See her other art. And, uh, yeah, so in two weeks, we'll be doing some more, some more Baldur's Gate 2. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, thanks so much, and please, please comment on the videos if you've got any, uh, got any feedback, got any questions, any comments. Yeah, and if you've developed your own show in the meantime. Yeah, that's, this is the only way we're going to accept criticism, is we will need at least, like, 20 hours of your own show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's only fair. I think. Yeah. Walk like, them, walk all twenty hours in our shoes before mm-hmm. you uh, before you start popping off. Yep. Otherwise, when you say our name, you you put some respect on it. Dang. Or just keep our name out of your mouth. Either way, as it were, mm-hmm. you pick and choose. Pick and choose. Okay. Well, in two weeks, uh, I'm Cameron, and I'm Danny, and this was uh, Mages and Murder Dads. I wonder.